Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Hello, and thanks so much for joining us here for episode 239 with Sam Carpenter. I think this episode has real potential to be transformational in the sense of how you are looking at everything that's happening in your life and your work and the systems that make it repeat and just how much difficulty you have getting some output on the other side of the system. So you'll learn, one, the benefit of seeing your complex life as a simpler collection of systems, two, how to analyze and fix the kinks in your systems, and three, top systems that are most often dysfunctional. So if you'd like to check out the show notes or the transcript or the links to items that we've referenced here, you can find that over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash F239. And while at awesomeatyourjob.com, I encourage you to check out some of our handy resources. One thing I'd point you to today is the 10 Days to Winning at Work email course. This synthesizes some of the most bite-sized and actionable takeaways from my Enhanced Thinking Collaboration Training Programs, which have been shown to slash, on average, 86 minutes of waste per person per week out of there. So hopefully you can get a taste of that from the emails alone over at awesomeatyourjob.com. Now, here's Sam's story. Sam Carpenter has a background in engineering, journalism, publishing, forestry, construction management, and telecommunications. An author and entrepreneur, he is president and CEO of Centratel, the premier telephone answering service in the United States. Other businesses he founded and operates are Work the System Consultants and Pathway One, an online marketing firm based in Italy. Here's Sam. Sam, thanks so much for joining us here on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. Thank you, Pete. Glad to be here. Well, it was really fun chatting with you that in between the time you said, yes, I'll do this interview and uh, this interview happening, you announced a run for governor. How's all that going? Right in the state of Oregon. Very well. We're heading the polls. I've got 50,000 followers on Facebook and I only announced three weeks ago. So it's fun. And I ran for U.S. Senate two years ago and that was not fun. <laughs> it's good to be in the lead and it's good to have a lot of people behind you. So it's been very fun actually so far. Well, cool. I'm, I'm glad you're not just sort of uh, losing your sanity and, and all, <laughs> along the way. Well, I didn't say that. <laughs> fun and insane. I could not yeah. be to the exclusive. Oh, I, <laughs> yeah, I may be insane, but I'm not losing my insanity. Make any sense? No. Well, so we chat with folks right, with all sorts of ideas along the political spectrum. But the ideas I'm most interested in learning from you is an area of your deep expertise when it comes to systems. You've got the books, Work the System and the Systems Mindset. So can you share with us, what are the big ideas behind these books and why are they helpful? Well, the two books, they're interesting. One was written in uh, 2008 and the other one was published in 2016. And they both have the same thread. And the central thread is this, is that our lives, and I get a little sort of metaphysical here, but not really. Our lives are collections of systems and processes. And in our houses, and you and I were just talking about our houses, for instance, I can turn around here from my computer and I could go to the sink and turn the water on and the water will come out because the system of delivering that water is a good system and the water pressure is right in the, the little town here in our second home here in Kentucky, rural Kentucky. The water system works well. But then I could go flip the light switch on over there. That's a separate system. Those systems have nothing to do with each other any more than your heart 
has anything to do with your kidney. Oh, I know they're connected and I know they work together, but really they're separate. And it's the same for your radio in your car and your brakes in your car. And, and every tree that's outside my window right now is separate from the trees next to it. Your life is a collection of separate systems. And if that's the truth, the hand of God reaching down is not going to get where you where you want to go. Some new law isn't going to do it. But what's going to do it is seeing your life as a collection of systems. And moment to moment, since 1999, when I walk through a room, I see a collection of systems or when I'm driving in the car. Every car is a separate system. Every driver in every car is a separate system. And then you can fix things. If your life isn't going very well, then take it apart and find the most dysfunctional systems and work on those first. But another loan from the bank isn't going to help, and another wife is probably not going to help. All right. <laughs> and so you take things apart. And, and so work the system, Simple Mechanics of Making More and Working Less, which was published in 2008 and is in its third edition. We're just doing another printing now. I think it's our 12th printing. It talks about business and gives you documentation and processes and how to document your processes, how to define them, how to pick them out, how to correct them, and how to make sure they stay good. And then the systems mindset, managing the uh, systems of your life, it's the same thing, but it's designed for people who don't own businesses, okay? Okay, cool, thank you. And maybe could you help define a little bit for us? When you say a system, do you have a precise definition on the components or what makes a system a system? It's an entity that stands on its own with a purpose, for instance, a car is a separate primary system, okay? And its purpose is to get whoever's in it from point A to point B. And a house is a system, an enclosed system, which is a collection of subsystems designed to house you. In a business, a separate system would be your phone system. Another system would be how you answer the phone at the front desk. That's Centratel. I'm sure we'll talk about Centratel. How you answer that phone at the front desk is very well defined. There happen to be seven steps. You pick up the phone, you put a smile on your face, because if you put a smile on your face, there's a smile on your voice. And you answer in a very certain way, and anybody who answers the phone answers it exactly that way. And the way we got that system to be perfect was we took all the people together who answered the phones, including me, the owner of the company, and defined what a perfect answering system would be. Well, now I'm intrigued if we could maybe make this come to life all the more. So could you walk us through what is a perfect phone answering system? That could come in handy for anyone who picks up their phone. Uh, well, that, I gave you the first two steps, and then you define how you want it. I can't remember how they're doing it at Centratel now. It seems to me it's changed a little bit, but it's something like this. Centratel, this is Mary. May I help you? Very generic. Okay. But if John's answering, it's the same thing, except he uses his name. And then the next couple of points in that process, try to help the caller get to the destination they want to get to, whoever it is, our CEO, our tech guy, whatever it is. And then another system will take over once it's delivered. Everything is documented, too. Everything is exactly documented. How our operators answer the phone, how we handle a, a complaint, how we do a sales pitch, our marketing is many, many, many processes. Now, people don't walk around reading those processes. They are documented. But the fact that they're documented and on a hard drive means that they're paid attention to. And here's the other thing, Pete, which is pretty cool. If your life is a collection of systems and therefore your business is a collection of systems, wouldn't it make sense to work on those systems 24-7? and have other people do the actual work. So my management staff of seven at Centratel, we have about 40 people there. We do 400000 a month at the call center. 
the little answering service. All of those managers do nothing but work on systems. And if I catch them doing the work, I give them a lot of grief. For instance, I found my CEO, Andy, was answering the phone because we had a real rush. We take messages and deliver them. That's what answering service does. So she has a console on her desk, and it got really busy in there. And she jumped on to help the 15 or 20 TSRs that were out there to uh, handle the traffic. And I said to her, don't ever do that again. (laughs) We were laughing. Don't get me wrong. And she says, I know, I know. I said, it's also heroic. And I guess there's some value in showing everybody out there that you care, but don't do it anymore. I pay you way too much money to do this other stuff. And the TSRs understand that. Uh, Telephone service representatives, the regular people that answer the phones, they understand that you have things you have to do in here. For instance, we're putting a $100,000 new heating system in our building. That's got to be her top priority and she can't get distracted. But my point is this, is that everybody who's in management works on processes and systems. And so she's working on this process and working on this system. And and we have three words we use, Pete, automate, delegate, delete. That's what a manager should be doing all the time. Automating it so you don't have to do it over and over. Anything you do over and over again, you shouldn't be doing, probably. A real chief, a real manager is always on a new project doing creative things. Automate, delegate to somebody else, an assistant, for instance, or off-site. Automate, delegate, delete. So many things we do we shouldn't be doing at all. There's no payoff. And you go back to the 80-20 rule, which is absolutely the truth of the matter. If you can get rid of all the superfluous stuff that has no ROI, return on investment, you're going to have more time to expand on the things that are profitable. I do consulting because Work the System is a book on how to do all this stuff. And you wouldn't believe the businesses we run into. You wouldn't believe the government of Oregon. (laughs) Okay. Well, so I'd love it if you could maybe walk us through some examples of, let's say, the audience here, they're professionals. They want to be awesome at their jobs. Can you give us some examples of some systems that probably could benefit from some attention or maybe some transformative innovations or interventions that you've brought about for some folks that can spark actionable ideas here? Yeah. The innovation that most companies should have, and most don't, is what we call, and it's a document, it's called a strategic objective. And you can get my book at workthesystem.com and download it for free, the whole book, audio, or any number of text iterations. When we fixed over 500 businesses in the last seven years, Josh Fonger, my main guy, and I, they don't have documentation. And so the main system you need is a system of what is it you do and where do you want to go? And it's got to be more than a mission statement. A mission statement is a total distraction. Oh, we want to be the best, and we want everybody to love us, and we want our employees to be happy, and all our customers to be happy, and blah, 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 blah. It means nothing. What you need is to take it apart in more detail. Instead of a little paragraph, it really needs to be on one sheet of paper, maybe 300 words, and you list what you do, where you want to go, kind of how you're going to do it, the things you're not going to do, Sometimes the tools you're going to use, and you have to get everybody going in the right direction. And if everybody's going in a different direction, they all have their own little individual ideas of where you're going, it's going to be a dysfunctional mess. And nine out of 10 businesses are dysfunctional messes, small ones. The big ones didn't get big by being dysfunctional messes. Now, I have a system of documentation I use. There's other systems. The point is everybody has to get on the same road, whatever process they use. And then another document is the uh, operating principles. So we have 30. We call them 30 principles. These documents are in the back of the book in the appendix. And the principles are like 
there will be no clutter in the office, <laughs> figuratively or literally. I, I've got the book here. I could read through them, but you get the idea. There's 30 principles, and we use these principles for gray area decision-making, where you're not really sure what to do. Well, what, what would you do here? Well, another one is the simplest solution, Occam's Law, the simplest solution is invariably the correct solution. And I had somebody define it, a new employee uh, manager that I think I'm going to hire for the campaign. She said, the simplest system is the most elegant system. And that's a beautiful thing. So that's just one of the principles. So we have 30 principles there. And a person could go to the book and plagiarize both the meaning and the tone of both of those two documents I've mentioned. And then the last series of documents, there's three, are the working procedures. And that is where we document how you answer the phone how you handle a complaint. We've got hundreds and hundreds of them in the office. But if you don't get everybody going down the same road and doing things the same way, you're going to have a mess. And the other thing is you don't have a system for them to say, hey, this has changed over here. Process A over here is no longer any good because one, two, and three happened over here. We've got to change the process. And then you've got to let everybody know the process has changed. So you can see how I, as a leader, work on processes and systems and protocols. And these are the things that get everybody going in the same direction and you become efficient because the thing that kills businesses is inefficiency, fire killing. That's what it is. Fire killing destroys businesses. Fire killing destroys administrations and government. Fire killing destroys marriages. It destroys everything. You want to get from A to B in the most efficient way possible and you can't be waylaid by problems that come up because you didn't have a process to prevent the problem from happening in the first place. Okay. Well, so I want to get super, super tactical here, if I could. So Sam, do you have a system for doing your laundry or having others do your laundry? And what is it? No, this is very interesting. The new book, The Systems Mindset, is for anybody who doesn't have a business. And I, in there, I say, you don't need to document this stuff in your personal life. You need to document how the car rack goes on the car. You need to write down somewhere that the front connectors are 18.5 inches back from this corner of the windshield and maybe how you change the filters in your HVAC system maybe if somebody else is going to do but there isn't much documentation in your personal life it's a matter of thinking so the systems mindset yeah the subtitle I couldn't think of it I had a brain problem there but managing the machinery of your life but in a business, because you've got a lot of people doing this stuff, John needs to know how Mary does it. And Mary has to do it the same way Frank does it. you got to get everybody doing things the same way. And then those are the people who create the processes. It's not top-down like military. I don't write up all the procedures. I wrote up the first procedures for the first few months. That was in 1999. I haven't written a procedure in a couple of years. And the one I wrote was for me in the office, but they write the procedures. What a great way to do things is to have the people who do the work do the procedures because they know how it works. They know how to talk to the customer and they know how to do this and do that. Now, my CEO and I keep everybody going down the same road. No, we don't want to have this new service. It just isn't in keeping with where we want to go. And you can go back to the strategic objective and figure that out and make an argument for it. But for instance, if we had extra space in our office, we could have a tanning salon, for example. I mean, it would make sense. There's people there 24-7. It could be a Bend, Oregon, 24-7 Sam's tanning salon. And it probably would make money. But we're not going to do that because it's got nothing to do with our main concern, which is telecommunications and so forth. So it keeps you going. And so when you ask me for Give me a process. Give me a system. 
Those three documents are critical. And then you can go down to how you handle a complaint, how you can. So what happens is, and I'll get to your main question, which I, I think I understand, is when Josh goes out in the field, what he does is go in and either one of us can walk in any business and tell you in 20 minutes what the problem is. And sometimes your brother-in-law does need to be fired. Okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. Explain it to your wife, but he's a problem. We get into that too. But once we get into the business, we see how it's run and what, what are the mechanical and mechanical is such a great word. What are the mechanical irregularities and dysfunctions? And you fix the biggest problem first. And maybe the biggest problem is your brother-in-law needs to go. Okay, I get that. But within the business, there are processes that need to be documented. For instance, if there's something that's handled by six different people, say it's a 20-person business, six different people, and they all handle it a different way, that's ridiculous because some are going to do it real well and some are going to do it in a horrible way. Why don't we all do it the real real fine way, put all six people down at a table. Okay, what's the first thing you do? And then it's number one, do this. Number two, do this. Uh, Number three, do this. Number four, do this. And then when that process is done and everybody agrees it works, you put it into place and you move on to the next biggest problem. You really do start with the biggest problem. I don't care what it is. I can almost guarantee you the second problem won't have anything to do with the first problem. It'll be something completely different. I don't care what kind of business you've got. And you work through based on what are the biggest problems first, and all of a sudden you get through five of those big problems and things start to smooth out. There's not so much fire killing. You might have fixed 60% of all your problems by fixing those five things. And it could be anything. It could be in a machine shop. It would be how the guys are doing a certain piece on the machine. And everybody's doing it in their own way. It might be a drill press. It might be a lathe. It might be anything. But you got to get the guys together and sit them down and say, what's the best way to do it? And then Frank over here is doing it this way. And he says, oh, John, I didn't know we could do it that way. Yeah, man, it's really great. And then John is going to learn something from Frank, too. It's really the most simple thing. And it's all based at the beginning of our chat here, Pete. It's all based on the mechanical fact that our lives are collections of systems and processes. That little beagle that's sitting in there on the couch in the sunroom there, he's a separate system too. And I just got this Garmin tracker for him because he's a hound. And when we go out in the woods, he's gone, man. If he gets a scent of anything, he's gone. And so this fabulous tracker, and it took me about a half hour to figure it out and how to work. I can take him out. He's got a little antenna that comes up. And uh, documentation is the little book I got with it. But he can run anywhere, and I know exactly where he is. He got out 600 yards from me the other day, and I just went back and got him. And it's even got a little what they call a stimulator on it. It's actually electric shock that you can adjust. And I adjust it so he knows it's happening, not so it hurts him. But if he gets out too far, I can just hit a button, and he knows to come back to me. That is a separate system, too. It's a separate system from the Beagle. The Beagle has nothing to do with it. They just work together very well. And that's how a business should be. If you can take your business apart and stop believing you just need to hire a better manager or if you could just get that other loan, no, no, you, instead you go exactly the opposite and you take it apart piece by piece. But you've got to get this thing in your head about the separate systems. So work the system and the systems mindset. The systems mindset book is a smaller book. It's in two parts. The work the systems in three parts. The middle part is about documentation. But essentially the first part of each book is getting the systems mindset. And that means you can walk down the street and you see separate systems. You don't see this massive confusion. I like to say 
a mass confusion of sights, sounds, and events. The barking dog over there has nothing to do with your belly ache, has nothing to do with the dog on the end of your leash, has nothing to do. And the trees you're walking by, they have nothing to do with each other. They're all separate. When you can drive down the road or walk down the street or sit in your house and really see that, that's called the system's mindset. And it usually comes in an instant. It comes in a flash. It did for me. It happened one night. I won't go into how that happened. But I woke up the next morning, and I saw the world differently, and that was in 1999. And my whole life got cleaned up at that point. I was a mess. I was a mess in the business. I was a mess in my personal life. Everything cleaned up beautifully because I started facing reality. Do you know what it means to be red-pilled, Pete? Is that for the Matrix? Yeah, man. The greatest science fiction movie ever made, in my mind. So listen to this. Morpheus. And this is 1999. I'm trying to free your mind, but I can only show you the door. You're the one who has to walk through it. Whoa. Okay. Well, and so on the campuses, there's this thing called red pilling. And that is all of a sudden seeing reality for what it really is. But back to uh, the system's mindset, red pilling in my mind, is seeing your life as a collection of separate systems. Very few people will get it right away. Some people who are listening to this get it right as they're listening to it, but most don't. It takes a couple of weeks. Download the book. Look at it. Your life will change forever. You'll get what you want out of life. I've got everything I want out of life. I'm going to run for governor for just the hell of it. <laughs> really? Okay, yeah. I really... I mean, that's not really true. I'm going to run for the hell of it because I've got the time and I want to make some big changes in our state. The forests are burning down. The government's out of control. I mean, why not go for something big? I see it in that sense. Why not do something big? Because the rest of my life has come together so well. I have the time and the money to do it. I have more money than I need. I've got more time than I need. This is something I can do. And I'm in my late 60s. And this is the time of my life when I want to help. I have a nonprofit overseas, and people say, how come? And I say, why not? There's a bunch of teachers over there. You know what they make in these backcountry Pakistan towns? $15 a month. Wow. One five. One five. Mm -hmm. And the kids' tuition is a dollar a month, and that's high. And so I can go over there and get so much bang for my buck with my uh, nonprofit to help those kids. So I, if you can see your life in this way, everything comes together. Everything starts to make sense, and you start getting what you want out of life because the reality is your life is a collection of systems, and if you treat it that way and go for the most dysfunctional systems first or the biggest system that you think you can get a grip on, all of a sudden things will go your way. Well, can you give us some examples then in terms of for individuals, for systems they have that are frequently dysfunctional, or how do we zero in on, hmm, of all the systems in my life, this one is probably the most dysfunctional and should get my attention first. Are you talking about in a business environment? No, I'm just talking an individual professional. An individual professional. Okay, number one, communications. And so that's what we were talking about before we started talking here. So we have these tools. One's called EVM, and we've been using it for many, many years. It's relatively new. And if you have an iPhone or a Droid, it doesn't matter. But there is a way to attach a voice message as an attachment onto an email. It's powerful stuff. It's how I run my companies. So I've got 40 people at Centratel. I could get on the phone after we finish here and I could say, hey, everybody, just want to let you know I'm coming back tomorrow. I am, by the way, flying back from Kentucky. And we had a great report, great numbers. Our bottom line was terrific. I just want to thank all of you. 
And I say that, I attach it to a group email and everybody gets it. Josh, Josh is in my field guy and we're partners. He's in Phoenix, but he's on the road all the time. I don't even know where he is most of the time. So, hey, Josh, I was thinking about this or that. And what do you think about this? And get back to me. Well, he might not hear it for a few hours because he's working with a client but he will get back to me in the same way. We very rarely are on the phone at the same time. And it's the same with my CEO and it's the same with my campaign people. Very, very seldom. So to the professional who's got people that he works he or she works for, I would say do that because our tendency, Pete, maybe your tendency, and it used to be my tendency is to sit down and write a long email. I'm sorry, it takes 20 minutes. And with an EVM, I can do the same thing in two minutes. And you get your tonal inflection in there the whole thing. The only thing we document are our processes and anything that is very sensitive or complex information, we sit down and do an email. So if your professional is super efficient, they will be better at what they do. And there's other tools out there, other communication tools too. One of the big things I changed recently, because this tool has been a bug in me, and what happened was I had my PC computer. We were down in Savannah, Georgia, and I lost it. I lost it in the hotel. It turned out somebody had found it and picked it up and it got put in the wrong place. I ultimately found it three days later, but it ruined the vacation because I knew half of it was on the cloud and half of it wasn't. And Diana and I, I said, I know that I can get another PC and download most of it. There's so much that I'm going to miss and I'm going to be struggling to put the pieces together for a year. And I'm, it's going to be like my house burned down. So we had been talking, and she's kind of had the same problem. We're booting our computers all day long. Uh, It's a Microsoft problem. Sorry about that, Bill Gates. But I got my computer back. Everything was fine. But you know what we did? We said, the hell with it. We're switching to Apple's computers. And we switched to the Mac Pro. And I'll tell you what, replacing that system with this system was one of the best moves I've made in the last 10 years. And so then it automatically backs up then to the cloud? Everything's on the cloud. Everything makes sense. Everything's intuitive. You know what? What do you use, Pete? I also have a MacBook Pro. Yeah. So everything's intuitive. It never breaks. You could go a month without having to reboot it. You know what I'm talking about. I don't know if you've ever dealt with a PC, but you want to kill yourself. I'm sorry. You want to put a bullet at half the time. I've 30 years I, I was a PC user because of the systems we used professionally in the call center. I don't need to do that anymore because I don't do much in a call center. You know, I don't do more than an hour of work a week at the call center. So the process, uh, how's your computer doing? Or how's your, we went from, uh, droids to all iPhones because they're just more reliable and you're not dealing everybody has doesn't have something different and I don't care how many extra apps you can get on a droid the basics never fail on the iPhone well can you tell me this electronic voicemail I assume that's what EVM stands for that sounds pretty handy how do I start doing that in my life well there's a native on the iPhone that works I like say it mail it is that like a website I can go to I think you can find it on Google I like that I use them both say it mail it you're pretty much limited to five or six minutes and you can't stop it and start it again. So something quick, you know what you're saying. I'm leaving a message for Diana or something. It's real fast and I use that and you can get it on a droid too. So I can do this natively and email on my iPhone. How does that work? Yeah, it's there. The menus, the settings for mail. Okay, got it. Cool. So communications is one system. Make sure that your technology isn't causing you all kinds of headaches and frustrations and crashes and restarts and delays. Your email isn't like dominating your life in terms of lots of long messages that take a lot of time. What are some other systems you think professional can get some big gains? Yeah, 
Here's another more of a mental thing, and I know you're into the mental part and the consulting you do. Don't ever have more than 30 emails in your inbox, okay? Ever. And you know what I do with my email? I don't have a task list. There's another simplification. My task list is in my email. When I open my computer and look at my inbox, all my tasks are there. Oh, I have some on my calendar, like this one, so I don't forget meeting with you today. But I have all my tasks and all of my correspondence is in one place. Obviously, it's on my iPhone, too. Think about those processes and systems. So take a part of your day. What are the things that are frustrating you? Figure out a way to make it really good. Automate it, delegate it, or delete it. And work on the processes of your life. You know what I mean? Your car. Okay, so I have this argument with people all the time, and half your listeners will not like what I'm going to say. I don't believe in buying a used car because when you buy a used car, it's used for a reason. Usually, unless some young kid went off into the military and didn't expect to, and his kid is perfect. Some used cars out there are perfect, but why would you want to give up the best years of a car's life? (laughs) The good smell, you know it's not going to break. You know you've got a great warranty. I always buy a new car, and people say, well, as soon as you drive off the lot, yeah, That's true. As soon as you drive off the lot, it loses value. But your used car, the best years of its life are gone. So you buy a used car with 40,000 miles. I'm sorry. It's going to be the muffler. It's going to be the belts. It's going to break. And I guarantee you almost all the time there's some big problem that made that car be a used car. So one of the systems I have in my life, one of these mental systems, is I buy close to the best and I always buy new. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. So these are head processes. Yeah. All right. Was there anything else you want to make sure to mention before we shift gears and hear about a few of your favorite things? Well, another thing we did, and people can't run right out and do this, but we built this house we're in. We moved in the last day of July, and this house is exactly the way we want it, right? To the size of the TV, to where the hearth is, to how the lights work. Try to design where you live, but take the time to work on the place where you study the place where you live, the place where you sleep. Take the time to do it. Clean the garage. Get everything in order. There's that, and then you go back to the business. You've got to document your primary systems if more than one person is doing the processes. That's A number one, and it could be anything. I don't know what people do out there. They They sell cars. They sell insurance. They're working for a big corporation. They're an engineer with a high-tech company. You've got to document the main things that the people around you are supposed to do. And it makes a lot of sense in some cases to document the processes you do. Because when you get them down on paper, you can say to yourself sometimes, why am I doing this like that? And then you get them down on paper and say, why am I doing this at all? And you get super efficient. And everything I'm doing with the campaign right now has to do with building the machinery of the campaign. And when I get elected, I will go into Salem, Oregon, and I will do the same thing there and work on the processes and the systems. Okay, cool. Thank you. Well, now could you share with us a favorite book? How I Found Freedom in an Unfree World, Harry Brown. This was written a long time ago, back in the 70s. He did a second version in the 90s. He ran for president on a libertarian ticket, and he's deceased now. And it says, freedom is living your life the way you want to live it. This book shows you how you can have that freedom now without having to change the world or the people around you. It's a brilliant book. I have any problems at all with it. And I've read it a number of times. This hard copy here, I have it cost me $140 on Amazon used. 
it's, it's out of print. And I give it to my very best friends and closest people. And I say, this is mandatory reading if you breathe. <laughs> that's my favorite book. Oh, thank you. And tell me, how about a favorite habit, a personal practice of yours that's effective? My cleanup habit. So I take 30 minutes every day at some point during the day, and I just clean stuff up. I pick up the table. I do something in the garage. The car may need it. I spend 30 minutes a day at least cleaning up after myself. Not that I'm a slob, but if nothing needs to be cleaned up, I do some organizational thing to jump ahead. That is a really good personal habit to have. And I exercise every day, of course, maybe not every day, but five days out of the week. It's so important to get some aerobic exercise and some resistance training if you can to keep that brain system working right and keep this incredibly complex miracle that is our individual bodies working properly. And I am convinced that aerobic, heavy breathing, pushing your heart, cures a lot of evils and cures a lot of problems that you're never going to have and prevents them from happening. Here's another saying. This is mine. You can't measure the bad things that don't happen. Mm-hmm. You can't measure. And that is, that's a very important thing. And I think uh, keeping the clutter picked up and getting out in the woods and climbing or skiing or doing whatever it is anybody wants to do, cycling, uh, very important in keeping your brain together, but you can't measure it really. You can't measure the good that it does you, and you can't measure the bad things that it prevents. All right. And if folks want to learn more or get in touch, where would you point them? Workthesystem.com is a good place, and there's a link there to the systemsmindset.com, and you can go there. And people can Google my name, and there's all kinds of stuff out there. Okay, cool. And do you have a final challenge or call to action you'd issue to folks seeking to be awesome at their jobs? Yes, I do. Right now, right this moment, even if they're not at their jobs, even if they're driving in the car or listening to this on their smartphone walking down the street is look around wherever you are in your living room or at your desk at work. We'll look around and see the separate systems around you. As I described right at the beginning here, Pete, I don't care what environment you're in, you can see a hundred separate systems around you if you look for them. And do that little routine over and over and all of a sudden it'll dawn in you, oh my God, that's the way the world's put together. My big TV down here doesn't have anything to do, nothing to do with what goes on in the laundry room over here with the washer. They just have nothing to do with each other. They're separate from each other. Yes, they all work together. I get that. But here's the thing. Let me leave you with this. If you walk down the street and you get hit by a car and your leg is shattered, you know what? They're not going to take you to a dermatologist. (laughs) You're going to go to an orthopedic surgeon who specializes in that. And so keep that in mind. The people who do well in life learn to compartmentalize the world around them so they can find the dysfunction, see the dysfunction, and get it fixed. Okay. Well, beautiful. Well, Sam, thanks so much for taking this time here off the campaign trail and such. And I wish you much luck in the systems of life and the impacts you're looking to make. Well, thank you, Pete. I enjoy this. We'll catch you later. I like Sam's challenging question there. Take apart your day. What are the things that are frustrating you? And then figure out a way to make it really good, automate it, delegate it, or delete it. It makes such a difference. And I find that that's one great reason to have more rest and reflection 
some things that have come up as themes here before, because you're better able to identify that when you're taking a step back and have a little bit of elevation to look down upon what is it that I'm doing day to day as opposed to the doing of it day to day. And then with that perspective, you can maybe spend one hour that will save you 30 hours. And I think that's just really awesome leverage, which gets me excited when you find those kinds of opportunities. Like, why am I still doing that? Hmm. I could get a piece of software, someone else to do that. Well, let's go make that happen. Boom. It's so cool. So if you want to check out the show notes or the transcript or the links to items that we've referenced, that's on over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash ep239. And if you haven't already, I hope you'll push subscribe. You'll hear from our next guest. It's Michael Gelb. He's talking about the art of connecting. And he has a lot of very sensible, actionable, wise perspectives to hear there. So I hope to catch you there. Peace. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. To get the most out of this conversation, visit awesomeatyourjob.com to find today's show notes, transcript, and infographic summary cheat sheet. For more entertaining professional skill sharpening, be sure to subscribe to catch the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job.